Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Recovery Talk. Today I'm going to talk about a topic that quite a few people have asked me about and that is lack of hunger, lack of appetite in recovery. And the reason why this is so important to talk about is that a lot of people with eating disorders are constantly looking for reasons that they shouldn't eat. And very often, if they have a lack of appetite, they're then assuming, oh yeah, that is of course an indicator, food is just not for me, right? And another thing that I see a lot in people with eating disorders is this belief that in order for it to be worth it when it comes to eating, eating must be incredibly rewarding. So I actually talked to a lot of people who explained that going through extreme hunger was not really that difficult because then they had, food was so rewarding, right? So then it was easy to eat. But as soon as the appetite goes down, that's when they go backwards. Because they feel that in order for them to deserve food, it needs to be very rewarding to eat. So I see often that people's biggest fear in recovery is not necessarily just eating a specific fear food, but it is eating when they're not hungry, when they don't feel like it. It is eating more when they don't necessarily have to eat more, right? For instance, imagine if someone has a calorie goal of 3,000 calories and they are completely bursting. They're so full eating this amount. The thought of eating a little bit more than this feels unnecessary. And then they freak out by the thought of eating something unnecessarily. Whilst if someone is going through extreme hunger and they're eating 3,000 calories in like 30 minutes, then that feels easier because they're like, yeah, it, it was very rewarding. But the thought of eating without necessarily feeling like it, it's such a massive fear for a lot of people with eating disorders. Here's the thing. Lack of appetite and hunger is actually quite common in people with eating disorders. And a lot of people kind of fluctuates between extreme hunger and then periods of no appetite. So... A lot of people express that when they restrict, they actually lose appetite and become less hungry, whilst when they increase their intake, they become more hungry. And a lot of people interpret this as, okay, that just shows that eating is not for me because when I eat, I lose control. But actually what's going on is that a person who is restricting, they kind of turn off the hunger signals a little bit. And also the hunger signal starts manifesting very differently. So for a lot of people with eating disorders, they kind of lose their physical hunger, but they start thinking a lot about food. They become very interested in food. This does not apply to everyone. Some people with eating disorders become completely disinterested in food, especially those with ARFID can sometimes just like, they just don't eat it, doesn't get any reward from thinking about food. But very often I do see that people with eating disorders, they might lose appetite, but they're quite interested in food in general. They're quite interested in seeing what others are eating or planning their meal or reading about that very specific protein bar that just came out. So the hunger actually manifests as hyperfixation of food. This is actually kind of in a way a form of hunger. It's not necessarily a physical hunger, but it's a mental hunger. But yeah, as I said, sometimes the mental hunger is gone as well. Especially sometimes in recovery, people reach a point where they're just not hungry. Food is just not that interesting anymore. Very fun in the beginning, eating everything you banned yourself from. And then suddenly you're just like, doesn't really, uh, eh. And then they find themselves stuck in recovery because why should they increase their intake when they don't feel like it? And I had this in recovery because I was eating a lot. I was, at that point, I didn't really have extreme hunger because I was just eating a lot and I eating my fear, fear foods and everything. And I was kind of like stuck. And at that point, I wasn't gaining weight. And then it was very easy for myself to trick myself into thinking, oh, that just means that I'm at my set point weight now, right? Oh, I'm intuitively eating. I don't really feel like increasing, you know? 
Thankfully, I had a good psychologist that was very familiar with these patterns and was able to say, hey, we need to push up the weight. We need to increase your intake, even though you don't really feel like it. And I did it. And I'm so glad I did it because the cognitive rewards I got was amazing. Not only did my body need it, but just cognitively, I was feeling so much better when I increased my intake, even though I didn't necessarily feel like I was hungry for it. So essentially what is happening in people eating disorders is that there are, as I spoke about in the episode of extreme hunger, there are certain things happening, especially in people with anorexia, where the body kind of turns off hunger. And a lot of people even experience almost like a high from not eating and even a burst in energy. If you read Sean Gussinger's Adapted to Flee Famine, this offers an evolutionary explanation of why this happens that I think from my you know science review is one of the most the most um what can i say the most likely explanations you know because there are a lot of different theories by eating disorders but i feel like that's the one that i think makes the most sense we also see similar behavior in animals where we see animals that are starved sometimes react by you know they they get more restless they get increased bursts of energy even though they're starving and for a lot of people eating disorders because they get this high because they get this reward because they feel like hunger feels maybe good for them even they then assume that that means that they're fine they are not fine you are not fine your body is in absolute distress trying to keep you alive your body is registering this famine and goes into panic mode and it reacts by giving you this boost but actually it is cannibalizing itself from the inside not just of course is it mentally very draining and isolating to have an eating disorder you're not exactly your best self in the depths of an eating disorder you're not really your best place in life right But physically, it's so harmful. Even though you can't feel it, it is incredibly harmful for the body. And this is so devastating because so many people eating disorders, they're like, yeah, but I feel fine. I I feel completely fine. Not knowing that it actually is their body just running on stress hormones. And then they find out the hard way later that they were not fine because their body was just (laughs) dying on the inside, right? So for instance, they'll have a fracture from a very minor, a very minor injury would give them a very bad fracture because they're bones are so fragile from the restriction just an example it's just so devastating and this is why i always say that denial is actually a key symptom of an eating disorder and this denial is just strengthened even further when the person is actually responding to hunger or like starvation by not being hungry right it kind of makes the person think they're almost like a super superhuman with a secret talent when there is no secret talent it's actually just an adaptation to famine it's just a starvation response and this is why i always say to people eating disorders it's so important that you eat consistently and regularly because if you suddenly go a whole day and you haven't eaten then chances are you might notice that you kind of like oh i get that little high from it i kind of don't want to eat now basically respond to hunger by when i say hunger i mean not having eaten by not feeling like eating whilst a person without an eating disorder or a person who's had an eating disorder but reached a very good point in their recovery might experience the opposite where you know hunger makes them grumpy and want to eat and i think how you respond to you know not eating whether that is something that rewards you in terms of giving you a high or whether that is something that makes you kind of grumpy and want to eat is such a good indicator of where you're at in recovery. When you no longer get rewarded for not eating, that's a very positive sign in recovery. When you respond by instead being grumpy and wanting to eat, great sign, very good sign. 
but it does take some time to go there. And actually, even recovered people can sometimes call catch themselves slipping a bit backwards. For instance, if someone is having uh, a period of grief or a period of illness where they unintentionally lose some appetite, lose some weight, they might notice that this reward for restriction comes back. Another thing to be aware of in eating disorder recovery is that in recovery, the hormone leptin, which is one of the hormones that control weight and also controls hunger, tends to normalize prematurely. Like it, pro- it normalizes a little bit too early in recovery. And when this hormone normalizes, putting on more weight and eating more can be, li- be a little bit challenging. This especially goes for those who are in recovery and actually fully go for it and eat a lot more because then the hormone can normalize. If you're someone who's in recovery, you'll be eating like 1,000, 1,500 calories. Of course, your leptin levels are not going to normalize because you're, you're not eating enough for things to normalize because there's not enough food coming in, not enough energy coming in. But I do see people who enter recovery and they eat like 3,000 or above and fully rest. And then they notice that, you know, their weight gain kind of stops. And then they're like, I can't eat more because I don't feel like it. And this must be my set point. They're actually still severely underweight. Or I see people in recovery who are eating quite little. They're eating a little bit more, but still eating little. And this just feels like massive amounts. They feel so full. And it's important to be aware also that in recovery, a very common thing in recovery is delayed gastric emptying, aka things move slower through your system and your body and your stomach. The food stays longer in your stomach and a lot of people also experience constipation and overall the stomach is not used to those amounts of food so you feel full very early. This does not mean that you don't need the food, it just means that your body has gotten so used to restriction, it has adapted. It's like your stomach has just shrinked, (laughs) now it can't fit the same food anymore and also it has slowed down things such as digestion because your body hasn't had enough energy to keep the digestive system going as fast as normal as possible and also why should it? There isn't enough food coming in for that to be a priority. And very ironically, sometimes I see people in recovery who notice that their hunger actually goes up as they start eating more because then it's like their metabolism will speed up and the body will get signals, okay we're out of famine guys, now we can turn on the hunger again. But even if that don't happen, because it really can go both ways and it really can <laughs> vary from person to person, even from period to period. Someone might have one period where they are extremely hungry and another period where they just lose appetite, right? Regardless, you need to eat. And if you feel like not eating and you feel guilty by the prospect of eating, you really need to eat because that is essentially your eating disorder telling you, oh, you shouldn't, there's no need to eat because you don't feel like it. If I wake up one morning and I'm super stressed and I don't necessarily have an appetite, I still eat. I don't think, oh, what a waste, you know, I should just not eat today. I still eat just because, you know, I know I still need food. It is the eating disorder that gets competitive and think that if you can get away with not eating, let's do it. And that needs to be challenged, regardless of why you don't feel like eating. Just because you don't feel like eating doesn't mean that you don't need to eat. I know I've probably repeated that like 10 times, but I will repeat it another 10 times for you. And think of another, you know, very physical need we have. Sleep, for instance. If you struggle with insomnia, do you assume that you just don't need sleep? No! Of course you still need sleep. It's just that your body is in some kind of alarm mode that makes sleep more difficult. You're not going to be like, yeah, okay, I have insomnia. Sleep is just not for me. Let me just not sleep at all. <laughs> you know, that's going to really backfire on you. 
when you have been ignoring your signals for so long, then your body is kind of going to give up a little bit, you know? Why should your body keep making your stomach rumble when you're not going to listening to it anyways? So it's so important that you keep eating even when you don't have an appetite. And one thing that people ask me quite often is, okay, but how? How do I eat if I don't have an appetite? And I tend to recommend mechanical eating and structured eating in those cases. Mechanical eating is essentially eating, almost like the word suggests, very mechanically, almost like a robot. If you have a headache, you really have a bad headache, uh, you go and take a painkiller. You don't think, do I really crave this painkiller? You just take it because you know that is the medical solution to your problem. And approaching eating a little bit in the same way as just, you know, a medicine, something you need, whether you feel like it or not, can be quite helpful. And in those cases, when you don't have an appetite, I would really recommend focusing on foods that are easy for you to eat a decent amount of. I often also say focus on energy-dense foods, and this can in some cases really be helpful to focusing on high-energy foods. But I also know that some people, again, really different from person to person, some people find certain energy-dense foods so filling that it gets almost challenging to eat enough when they increase a lot of, implement a lot of them. I'll use an example. I remember in recovery, I started drinking full fat milk, get in some fats, right? Get in some calories and also trying to get my period back. And as a result, this full fat milk, for some reason, just the way that I, you know, respond to that food, it makes me so full. Like if I have full fat milk, even now, if I would drink a glass of full fat milk, that would fill me up a lot. While certain other foods, I find it quite easy to eat more of. Even if they're not as energy dense, I find it very easy to eat more of them simply. So if you are in that category, then focusing on foods that you find it easy to eat more of is helpful. And if you're someone who just find it easier to go for energy-dense foods, then go for that. Because that is what I think a lot of people find it a lot easier to eat more of energy-dense foods. If you're struggling with your appetite and you're just filling up on fruits and vegetables, that's not really going to get you anywhere. So be honest with yourself here. What is easiest for you to reach a sufficient intake? And also make sure that when you're doing that, challenge some fear foods. Don't slack on the challenging just because you don't have an appetite. If you are terrified of croissants, you still need to eat those croissants even though you don't feel like it. You still need to challenge it. Because recovery is about more than just refeeding. Refeeding is crucial, but it also is about that rewiring of fears. Challenging your fears. And the only way to rewire a fear is to challenge it repeatedly. I think sometimes people think, yeah, I'll challenge my fear of ice cream, but only if I really feel like having the ice cream. It needs to be very good. It needs to be special. It needs to be all of these things. Part of recovery is also just mundanity sometimes. Sometimes you'll eat an ice cream and you just be like, this is not really that nice. That's part of it. So be mindful of how the scarcity mindset of an eating disorder will constantly try to sneak in. The other thing I mentioned was structured eating, and this can be a little bit of a difficult one. Overall, I of course encourage you know being as flexible as you can with food, but if you notice that you have no appetite and you're in recovery and just, okay, let's just eat what I want, whatever I want makes you eat not enough, then actually having a little bit of a plan and structure may be helpful. This doesn't necessarily mean that you need a full-blown meal plan or like a very strict thing. It could just be some kind of rough estimate that I'll have a breakfast and then I'll have lunch, I'll have a snack in between those. I'm going to go out for pizza for dinner. Just have some rough planning beforehand. If you have no appetite, can be helpful. Or it can be helpful for some, not for everyone. But overall, just keep yourself accountable. 
That is just the key thing. Keep yourself accountable. Don't let your eating disorder get away with telling you that, oh, this is just intuitive eating. It might feel like it. This is also why when I I spoke about it earlier in an episode about intuitive eating and why that's not always the best thing in recovery because simply in recovery, very often people aren't hungry for as much as they need, right? Go back, listen to that episode if you haven't already and want to learn more about, you know, intuitive eating in recovery. Because the truth is, a lot of people in recovery will have to eat more than they are mentally or physically hungry for. Because certain hormones normalize a little bit too soon. That's unfortunate, but what can we do about it, right? We, we gotta, gotta work with our bodies and we gotta eat and push it. Challenge this eating disorder belief that food must be incredibly rewarding in order for you to eat. You don't have that mindset about water i assume or about sleep do you think that you can only drink if you're just incredibly thirsty and it's like the best water ever no you just drink sometimes you drink some tap water that wasn't that good even though you weren't super thirsty just because you know you 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 need some water right and same things goes with sleep sometimes i just like i i just put my my head on my pillow and it's just like oh my god this is the best thing ever i'm so tired oh my god i missed my bed you know, sleep just feels incredibly rewarding. And then there are other times when I kind of don't really feel like going to sleep, but I still just do it and I can't really sleep that well. I still sleep, right? Even though it's not the best night's sleep I've ever had. Still need to sleep. Food is the same. You need food every day, every meal. And in recovery, chances are you're going to need a lot more than you think and feel like. And the resistance towards this is the eating disorder. Because if you're told that you need sleep, you're probably not going to resist it, right? You're just going to be like, yeah, of course I need sleep. But with the with the food, it comes up all sorts of reasons why you don't need it. Oh, this, oh, that, oh, intuitive eating, oh, this and that. All sorts of reasons. Call it out. Call yourself out. Take accountability here. Because I see so many people who just stay in this stage of denial where they know they're not eating enough for full recovery because they're not really hungry for it and they know that they're probably not in their set point weight range but you know I'm I'm just kind of staying comfortably here they know that they still have so many symptoms of an eating disorder but they just stay stuck because the thought of eating more than they feel like it's just they can't they can't but you can and also be aware of how anxiety could play in here are you really full or are you just mentally scared of eating more? Because that can also sometimes, sometimes we can confuse, you know, anxiety and resistance towards fullness, right? Those are separate things. So in short, with an eating disorder and recovery from one, there are a lot of factors at play mentally and physically that can make appetite lower also can make appetite higher it can make you might have both experiences sometimes in the same month, you know, same week, sometimes even the same day it's normal. But the key is you need to feed yourself sufficient amount every single day, every single meal, no matter your hunger. You are not some superhuman who don't need food. You're not. You are not. And food is not something that you only deserve to eat when it's incredibly rewarding or when you really, really crave it. You need to eat regardless. Sometimes you'll grab something that you didn't really feel like having because you were in a rush and you didn't have any other food. That happens. That is not a waste. The whole mindset with this fear of like wasting calories is such a thing for people with eating disorders. 
they're terrified of like, for instance, buying a dinner out and realizing it was not the exact thing they wanted. It wasn't as good as they thought it would. And then they freak out because they, they waste the calories, right? That's the eating disorder. Eating disorder screaming. I would actually encourage you to challenge yourself here uh, with these rules and this scarcity mindset around eating by having something that you don't necessarily love it, but you just have it because you needed to eat. Food and eating doesn't need to be perfect, but it needs to be sufficient. And also the key to recovery is to not just stay at this sufficient line and just be like, okay, yeah, I'm on a, for instance, 3000 calorie meal plan. So I can't eat that extra apple that I kind of crave before bed. You know, that is also the big thing. It is when someone is on a meal plan of, let's say 3000 calories, that is a minimum. It's not a maximum. Okay. And I would actually say that trying to go above it can have such incredible cognitive effects in terms of challenging yourself. For instance, if your fear is going above 3,000, then actually doing that and realizing that nothing bad happened can be a very crucial thing in recovery. In the same way that in recovery, if you're terrified of eating pizza, you should eat some pizza. Won't physically make a big difference, but mentally really could. And this is something I spoke more about in a previous episode about fear foods. So check that out if you haven't already and want to learn a bit more about fear foods and why to challenge them, why that is so important. So today's recovery question is about antidepressants in recovery. And the person is basically asking, antidepressants in recovery, good or bad? What's your opinion? And you know what? I think it depends on each and every person. Antidepressants can be a very helpful tool for some people, whilst for other people, it's not so helpful. I'm always very skeptical to people who have like very, very intensely strong opinions on one side or another. On one hand, you have some people who think antidepressants is just like it's the magical solution for everything. And on the other side, you have people who are just completely against medication and completely just gaslights people who have had a good experience with medication as in, oh, that's just in your head. Yeah, it's in your head. That's the point. But one thing that I would say about antidepressants in recovery, it is important to be aware of some side effects. So for example, fluoxetine, which is a very common antidepressant used for people with eating disorders, also called uh, Prozac. It is an SSRI, and that medication has a potential side effect of a loss of appetite. And ties in quite nicely to today's topic, right? Loss of appetite and loss of a drive to eat is not exactly the best thing in recovery. So I think if you start antidepressants who have weight loss or lack of appetite as a potential side effect, I think it's just something to be very, very aware of because, oh my God, will the eating disorder try and sneak in here? Oh, it's fine. You're not relapsing. You just don't have any appetite from your medication. I mean, yeah, but still doesn't mean that the weight loss and eating less is a good thing, right? It still is gonna, you're still gonna have consequences from it. Your body don't really know why you're restricting. Are you restricting because you actually don't have any appetite because you are just started a medication? Or is it because you're actively being in the eating disorder mindset? Your body can't really tell. You're still gonna have some not so pleasant consequences. So I think this is just very, very important. If you are someone who's really struggles with your appetite and have no appetite, and then starting a medication that causes further loss of appetite. I'm not saying that you absolutely can't do it, but I'm saying you should really be doing that in collaboration with a medical professional and have strong follow-up and be very determined as well to get the food in regardless because it can really complicate things. But aside from that, when it comes to antidepressants, I think it's important to be aware that they're a tool. They don't necessarily 
solve everything, but they can be a very helpful tool in recovery for some people, but not for everyone. Other people respond quite badly to them or have no effect at all. And also antidepressants can make you feel worse before better, also important to be aware of. I think if you start antidepressants with the idea that this one medication is just magically going to solve all your problems and your eating disorder is just going to be like, bye-bye, that's a little bit unrealistic, right? Not saying that they absolutely can't happen. I guess some people have had drastic results on antidepressants, but overall, just be aware that it may have some limitations. And also some people notice nothing, and also some people might even get worse. So I would say this is something you should talk to your doctor or psychologist about. In that way, my opinion doesn't really matter that much because everyone is different and everyone responds differently to medication. If depression is a huge part of your eating disorder and really worsens your eating disorder and you you know that the antidepressant in your case helps the depression, then of course it could even be a good thing for recovery. So in very short, you do you. You do what works for you. And if it doesn't work, you don't do it. But I'm, again, I'm, I'm just neutral with it. I think people should make their own decisions about what medications they want to try. And yeah, it's just important to be aware if you lose appetite from it, as this entire episode has kind of been about. Because, oh my god, the eating disorder just loves sneaking in and being like, oh yeah, you don't, not, no appetite, good reason not to eat. And then you have the medication and eating disorder. Oh, this is not me at all. This is just medication. Boom, back. I'm saying this because I've seen this happen to a lot of people. And the other thing with medication like fluoxetine, sometimes it's used in treatment for bulimia. And, you know, if the binging is caused by restriction, as I spoke about in the episode about extreme hunger, then, you know, fluoxetine is not really going to solve it. Yeah, it might reduce appetite, but you're still going to be undernourished, right? So it's not really just going to solve your entire eating disorder. Because reactive hunger is a normal healthy element of recovery and trying to suppress it with medication is not really, not really the way to go, I would say. But it's individual, up to every person to try things, make their own choices. Um, yeah, helpful for some, not so helpful for others. So that is my very, <laughs> I think, nuanced opinion on, on medications and eating disorder recovery. I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. And I will see you guys next week.